Welcome in, everybody. College football betting, another preseason edition. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. And I think you probably are. Because as I record here, on the night of July 27th, 2022, a couple things. SEC media days are done. Big Ten media days wrap today. And we are exactly one month away, literally one month, from week zero of the college football season. It's worth noting Nebraska actually opened up their fall camp this evening. So we have college football teams practicing here and it feels like a great time to get you another episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, especially talking about the Big Ten following Big Ten Media Days. Of course, if you have not caught up on the early preseason previews, we did the SEC East a few weeks ago, we hit on the SEC West, and today we actually hit on the Big Ten East, which is obviously a fascinating division in a fascinating conference. Michigan's the defending champs, Ohio State is obviously the favorite, Penn State, Michigan State are fascinating, and I would say even Indiana, Rutgers, and Maryland in their own right are interesting as well. Obviously, we will spend this show hitting the over-under win totals, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook, just like we did a few weeks ago with the SEC East and the SEC West. Before we get into the team specifically, a couple quick reminders, as we always do to lead every show. This college football betting show, it is not uh, the shows that you hear on the radio at 7 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to force you anything. I'm not trying to get you to dial a 1-900 number by any stretch of the imagination. My only goal is to get you the best information that I possibly can about all of these teams, in this case, the over-under win totals, and let you do with that information as you please. Beyond that, what I would also say The Big Ten East, I think there is no bet that I absolutely love, and I just want to make that clear off the top. As I tell you many times, you know, uh, part of being a good better is not only knowing what you like, but knowing when to stay away. And I will say that I definitively like three bets in the SEC more than I actually like any bet in the Big Ten East. As I told you in the previous episodes, I like Georgia over 10.5 in the East. I like Alabama over 10.5 in the West. I like Mississippi State over 6.5 in the West more than any bet that I actually like in the Big Ten East. But with that said, you didn't come here for me to tell you nothing. So let's get into it. And as I said, I like to just get you the best information as I possibly can. And as I also said, all lines, all over under win totals are provided by the DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's go to what I deem to be the best bet in this division, and you might even laugh when I say this, I think Ohio State is the favorite, but Ohio State's over-under win total is 10.5. It's minus 250 to bet them at 10.5, and so I actually do not believe, I think Ohio State should be the favorite. I think they're going to go 11-1 or 12-0, but in terms of the best actual bet, I'm actually going to go in a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to say Michigan over 9.5 wins is my single favorite bet of this division of this season in 2022 entering and it's not because I'm some Michigan homer and oh my goodness they won the Big Ten East they beat Ohio State they have turned a corner and they are the greatest program in college football that's not what this is all about and as I just said a minute ago there's no bet that I truly 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 love in this division but when I look at Michigan a couple things if you if you're saying that this just isn't Michigan's year I do understand where you're coming from I understand that they have a quarterback situation that has to get figured out. 
for people who do not remember, Cade McNamara was their starter last year, was kind of a, a, a kind of a game manager. J.J. McCarthy, the true freshman last year, is probably the better long-term option. He was hurt during spring ball, and so Michigan really is entering the fall with two guys still competing for the job no different than a year ago. And it is worth noting, Michigan did lose a ton off of last year. They lost nine starters on defense, or excuse me, eight starters. That included a number two overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Dax Hill, the safety, who was a late first-round pick. David Ajabo would have been a first-round, maybe second-round pick had he not gotten hurt in the pre-draft process. So they lose a ton on defense. They lose Hassan Haskins, the running back. And I think this is the important part. They lost both coordinators uh, coming out of last season. Mike McDonald went back to the NFL. Josh Gaddis obviously went to Miami. So that's the reason for concern. But if you're looking for why I like Michigan at that over 9.5 win total, well, first of all, history tells you that Jim Harbaugh is going to get there. And I think it's so easy to criticize Jim Harbaugh. I totally get it. I get the bravado that he came into with Michigan and all the things that he did when he first got to Michigan, making you believe that he was building a program that could compete with Bama, Ohio State, Georgia year in and year out. As we saw, even when they beat Ohio State last year, they were not on the level of Georgia or Alabama. But with that said, I think when you really do look at Jim Harbaugh's resume, it's easy to kind of not realize how good that he has been. Here are Jim Harbaugh's regular season win totals in non-COVID years. Nine wins in his first year, ended up winning 10 games with a bowl game. 10 wins in the regular season in his second year, eight wins in the regular season in his third year, 10 wins in the regular season in his fourth year. Uh, the following year was COVID, 11 wins, or, or excuse me, nine wins, then COVID, then 11 wins a year ago. And so why I bring it up is again, just go through those numbers again for Jim Harbaugh. And it is like, like it's easy to again criticize the guy. By the way, I know he said some interesting things at uh, Media Days, which we'll stay out of, but regular season win totals 9, 10, 8, 10, 9, 11 a year ago. This is a guy that's basically automatically nine wins. And so uh, he's automatically nine wins. Uh, they do bring back a decent amount of talent. As I said, they, 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 you know, the quarterback situation's interesting, but they have an established quarterback in Cade McNamara who can win you games in the Big Ten. Um, beyond Cade McNamara, I would also say, uh, you know, uh, Blake Corum is back at running back. Most of the good wide receivers are back a se from a season ago. The defense has always been good under Jim Harbaugh. Now, they've, they've struggled against Ohio State in times. They struggled when Don Brown was the defensive coordinator, and I know they have a new defensive coordinator coming in. But they always have talent. They always play well on defense. And most importantly, why I like Michigan, have you seen their schedule? And we all know that over-under win totals, part of it has to do with the schedule. And I would say by Big Ten measures, Michigan's got about as manageable of a schedule as you can possibly have. And keep in mind, this is coming off a year last year where they played at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, at Penn State, at Michigan State. Those are four top 15 teams, uh, and not, not Nebraska. Nebraska was off, but, but three top 15 teams plus Nebraska, and then obviously had Ohio State at home. Well, this year, the schedule is very manageable. When you're talking about the out-of-conference schedule, remember, Penn State plays at Auburn. We're going to talk about that. Michigan State plays at Washington. Ohio State plays Notre Dame at home. Here is Michigan's out-of-conference schedule. Colorado State, Hawaii, 
And my UConn Huskies, for people who don't know, I went to UConn. I love Jim Mora. I think he's going to do good things there, but they're going to get slaughtered in the big house. Three out-of-conference games, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. They play eight home games total, they being Michigan. And the road games, yes, they play at Ohio State, and they will have a, a tough, tough, tough game at Iowa, but their other two road games are at Indiana and at Rutgers. Compared to what everyone else in this conference and in this division is going to have to do on the road, give me four road games total at Indiana, at Rutgers, at Iowa, at Ohio State any day of the week. They do, of course, have Penn State. They do have Michigan State. Those games are at home, and they do get Nebraska in a cross-division game. I actually do think Nebraska could be legitimately good this year with the new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, but at the same time, that game is at the big house. So in the end, I do believe that Michigan ultimately is the best over-under win total in the Big Ten East. Not, I don't think they're the favorite. I think Ohio State should be the favorite, uh, and if I had to pick somebody to win the division, I think it'd be Ohio State. But when you're talking about a 9.5 win over-under win total, history tells us Harbaugh's going to get to 9. I think the schedule puts them at 10, and that is my favorite bet in the Big Ten East. Now, what's my second favorite bet? Well, you could probably take a guess, but it is the Ohio State Buckeyes. And when I say that Michigan is my favorite bet, it's not to say that Ohio State is definitively going to go under because I don't believe that at all. I just believe that things aren't set up as nicely for Ohio State to get to 11-1 or 12-0. Now, I believe they'll get there, and if I had to bet on Ohio State, I would pick the over, but I guess I do just have some questions. Now, in terms of the positive with Ohio State, I think there is zero doubt, zero doubt, they have probably the most explosive offense in college football. Now, Bama may get there in time, but when you talk about returning players, even Bama, they got Bryce Young, but their best running back is going to be Jameer Gibbs, who's a transfer, has never played a minute for Alabama. Their best wide receiver is going to be Jermaine Burton, never played a snap for Alabama. Ohio State brings back so much freaking talent, it's insane. Obviously, C.J. CJ Stroud is the guy. Uh, right now, I think he's probably the favorite to go number one overall in the next NFL draft. Maybe some of you like Bryce Young. Maybe some of you even like Will Levis. Uh, most boards that I've seen, and I don't claim to be a draft expert, have C.J. Stroud going number one overall. The stats last year were just absurd. 4,400 yards, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions. And oh, by the way, the last time that he played, how about this? 573 yards, six TDs, one interception in a Rose Bowl win over Utah. That is ridiculous. On top of him, obviously, Ohio State has the guy that I believe to be the favorite to win the Bolitnikov, Jackson Smith and Jigba. What a special talent. I mean, go back to last year. Garrett Wilson, top 10 pick of the New York Jets. Chris Olave, early first round pick of the New Orleans Saints. Both of those guys universally agreed that Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best wide receiver on that roster. That shows you how good Ohio State was in the receiver room last year and how good Jackson Smith and Jigba is. Again, just go back to the last time that he played a game. In the Rose Bowl, 347 yards receiving, a Rose Bowl record, Ohio State record. Three touchdowns. By the way, there was one that he was running in for, which would have been a fourth that got stripped right on the goal line. The guy is absurd, and obviously we saw in the Rose Bowl the talent around him. Marvin Harrison Jr. was awesome. Emeka Abuka, the former number one wide receiver in high school football, is awesome. And obviously Julian Fleming has a chance to break out. Um, and that doesn't even include, by the way, the running back position in Travion Henderson, a guy that I think we all think could be, frankly, in his own right, 
a Heisman Trophy candidate as well, coming off an incredible first season at Ohio State. So when you talk about the probably the best combination of wide receiver, running back, and quarterback, at least returning established guys that we know, I think there is no doubt that it is those three. I didn't even mention Travion Henderson, 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns as a true freshman last year. Now, why I don't feel like totally on board with just blindly betting the over, and again, if I was betting either side, I would take the over, it is that defense. And I know Ohio State fans will sit there and say, well, we got a new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. You're 1,000% correct. And I am very excited to see what he does with Ohio State. But it is worth noting that it's really been two years now that Ohio State has struggled on the defensive side of the football. Now, I understand. Kerry Coombs was the, head, was the defensive coordinator. He's out. He's gone. But just because you have a new defensive coordinator, it doesn't automatically mean that you're going to take a step up. And this is a team that finished right around the middle of the pack nationally on the defensive side of the football the last two seasons, 59th in the country in total defense each of the last two years. Now, there's plenty of talent, but I got to see it before I get too excited. And never forget, this was a team against the three best teams that they played last year. 45 points they gave up to Utah in the Rose Bowl, 42 points to Michigan, 35 points to Oregon. So there are some, and when they played in big games against physical teams, they really struggled at the point of attack. And this is why I cannot definitively say they're going to go over the win total of 10.5. And here's why the schedule, unlike Michigan, is really, really, really tough. So they open with Notre Dame. And I know Marcus Freeman's first game, what do we really know? What can we really expect? I get it. But by the end of September, not only will they have played Notre Dame at home, but they then get Wisconsin at home as well. October at Michigan State. Now, they destroyed Michigan State last year. By Iowa at home. And then at Penn State over a four-week stretch. So in a four-week stretch in October, they play at Michigan State by Iowa at home at Penn State. That is as tough of a three-game stretch as you are going to see in the Big Ten. And again, the Wisconsin game is not that far out of the realm. So over really a six-week stretch, you have Wisconsin, you do have Rutgers. Wisconsin, Rutgers, at Michigan State, by Iowa, at Penn State. That is a really, really tough schedule. Now, I will say it closes manageably after Penn State. You have at Northwestern, Indiana, at Maryland before you play Michigan at home. And so when I look at Ohio State, if I was betting, I would say take the over, 11-1, 12-0. But I don't think it's definitive, and I don't think this is one of my favorite bets. Ohio State's my favorite to win the league, but I think you can find two losses on that schedule if you look hard enough. And I'll tell you this, just from a, 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 a you know, they're a fascinating team because 10-2 last year was unex, uh, unacceptable. Imagine if they go 10-2 this year and don't win the division, just something to think about. All right, so what I do, I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back and hit on the rest of the division. And I'll tell you this, fascinating. Penn State is fascinating. Michigan State is fascinating. And we'll also hit on Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back, good to be back. Let's get to the second half of the Big Ten East. And there are some, I'll just say this, uh, you know, the SEC East, SEC West, we talk about how fascinating those divisions are. Some really fascinating teams in the Big Ten East, not just Michigan and Ohio State, but some of these teams that I'm about to talk about right now. And let's talk about a team that I think you can argue is as interesting 
as anyone in college football entering this year, and that is the Michigan State Spartans. Michigan State coming off an incredible year, yet the DraftKings over-under win total is just 7.5 for the Michigan State Spartans. And so I think why Michigan State is so fascinating is because I do think they are potentially one of these teams where the dichotomy, the difference between what the casual fan thinks about Michigan State and what Vegas clearly thinks about Michigan State, I do think there's a big gap between those two. Now, I should say, by the way, Michigan State's over-under win total last year, I believe, was five and a half, and they had 10 wins in the regular season. So it's not as though they've never smashed an over on a win total before. But Michigan State's a really interesting program because, like I just said, I think if you ask a casual fan, I don't think there's many programs in college football that are more ascending as a rocket ship than Michigan State is. Coming off an 11-win season, won the Peach Bowl, beat Michigan for a second straight year, beat Penn State, beat Nebraska. Just a really, really, really awesome season for Michigan State. Oh, by the way, they got a cool head coach. Mel Tucker cleans up in recruiting. Tuck coming, baby. That's what, for people who don't know, that's the, that's the Michigan State hashtag, Tuck coming. And he is coming for the Big Ten East. I'll tell you this much. $95 million guaranteed, big contract. And if you're talking about a program that over the next five years – I believe could ascend towards the top of the sport, towards that playoff contention year in and year out if we stick with a four-team playoff. Who knows what the playoff will look like over the next couple of years. I do believe that it's Michigan State. But with that said, just because I think that they're going to get there in a few years, it doesn't mean that I necessarily think that this year they are going to be great. And again, the over-under win total is seven and a half. Vegas clearly not as high on them as many others. Although again, you could go eight and four and still hit that win, win total. So what is the argument that they could be a little bit disappointing or maybe not live up to the public's expectations of Michigan State coming into the year? Well, first of all, you know, they're kind of the opposite of, uh, you, you know, they, they just had a lot of things kind of break their way last year. Now, I don't want to say they got lucky. That's unfair to that team, that program, those 85 guys in that building. But you look at their win-loss results. They beat Nebraska by three in overtime, where if you watch that game, Nebraska punted the ball away late in the game, and essentially if they could just make a tackle on special teams, Nebraska wins in regulation. Michigan State returns the punt for a touchdown. It goes to overtime, and Michigan State wins in overtime. There was obviously that crazy Michigan game. Michigan State down by 16 points in the third quarter. Credit to Michigan State for rallying, but there was obviously some stuff that broke their way in that game. J.J. McCarthy has a fumble in the red zone late. There is a questionable pass interference call late. Michigan State wins that game. And then they did beat Penn State late in the season by three. Again, I'm not saying they're lucky. That is a discredit and disrespect to that team. But things did kind of bounce their way last year. And I wonder if things just start to even out a little bit this season. Keep in mind, all three of those games, Nebraska, Penn State, and Michigan were at home. This year, they have to play at Penn State at Michigan. Beyond that, what I would also say is, even though Mel Tucker is an elite recruiter, and I do believe that he is going to elevate the talent in the program, uh, they ain't on Ohio State's level yet, and I don't even believe that they're on Michigan's level yet. First off, last year, they really did rely a lot on Kenneth Walker, and I get it. Why wouldn't you? Kenneth Walker should have been uh, at the Heisman Trophy ceremony in New York. He wasn't, which was dumb, but 1,600 yards, 18 touchdowns on the ground. And while they cleaned up in the portal again, 
it's a lot to ask one of somebody else to step up and fill that void. Now, they have good players. Jarek Broussard, a transfer from Colorado. He was actually the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year two years ago during COVID, and also Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. So it's not as though they don't have talent, but to ask one of them or even both of them to replicate the production of Kenneth Walker is a lot to ask. And if they can't, that puts a lot of pressure on Peyton Thorne, their starting quarterback, who I would say was good. I don't know that he was great last year. 3,200 yards, 27 touchdowns, but only 60% completion on the year. And then there's the defense, and, and we can dance and, and whatever you want to say about the defense. The defense was not very good, especially in the secondary. We saw it in that second to last week of the season when they played Ohio State and got absolutely obliterated 56-7. to But don't forget, Michigan State, the 130th ranked pass defense in college football last year. Last year, there was only 130 teams in FBS. So they had the last ranked defense in or pass defense in college football, and they gave up 442 yards per game, which was 14th in the Big Ten. Yes, their off their defense was worse than Maryland's, Indiana's, Rutgers, etc. By the way, I didn't even mention that they barely beat Indiana as well. So four games that were really close that could have gone the other way. And so when I look at everything with Michigan State, I can see the regression coming, especially with that schedule. Now it's not impossible. But they do play at Washington in week three. Washington, interesting, new new dynamic. Jimmy Lake's out, Kalen DeBoer's in. But on top of that, you have Ohio State and Wisconsin at home in back-to-back weeks. Then you get a bye and play at Michigan. So listen to that schedule. October 8th, Ohio State at home. October 15th, Wisconsin at home. Bye at Michigan. That is a merciful schedule. And then you close at Penn State. And so this is one, it's kind of almost like Kentucky, what I talked about in the SEC East with Kentucky, where I look at Kentucky and I say, I, I, I could see them taking a step back, but Kentucky's over under win total is seven and a half. I don't know if there are five losses on the schedule to go under. Michigan State's kind of the same. I don't love them. I could see them taking a step back. Do I really see them at seven and five? I don't. Probably eight and four, but I wouldn't bet that very confidently. Speaking of confidently, I'll say this. I, I, Penn State was one I really struggled with. Penn State's over under is set at eight and a half. And I almost went definitive over. This is the best bet in the division. I couldn't do it. But why I think Penn State is really interesting is a couple things. One, James Franklin almost has that Jim Harbaugh vibe that I just discussed a minute ago. We focus on COVID two years ago, 7-5 and five last year, and you can't ignore 7-5. and five. We're going to get into that 7-5 in a minute. But from 2016 to 2019, for four years, now keep in mind that was about when Harbaugh had Michigan at peak, when Urban Meyer was still at Ohio State. Here is what James Franklin did in terms of regular season wins. 10 wins in 2016, 9 wins in 2017, 10 wins in 2018, 10 wins in 2019, they won a couple bowl games, had a couple 11-win seasons in the mix there. And so this is a guy that wins big outside of COVID and outside of last year. Now, you can't ignore last year where they went 7-5, and five, but what I will say is by Big Ten standards, they probably had the toughest schedule in the entire Big Ten. For people who forget, they opened at Wisconsin. They played at Iowa, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, Michigan at home, Auburn at home. And then on top of that, some of those losses were just brutal. They played at Iowa. They're up 17-3 to 3 
and their starting quarterback, Sean Clifford, goes down. They end up losing 20-17. to 17. They can't score once he leaves the game. They get a bye. They come back the following week. They play Illinois. Sean Clifford's not at 100%. That was that awful game that they lost uh, in nine overtimes. Yes, nine overtimes against Illinois with the new overtime rule. It was terrible. I hate it. I hope they someday change it. And then the Michigan game. They played Michigan late in the season. Michigan is trending towards a playoff. Penn State had the lead with under four minutes to go. Michigan scores a big play for a touchdown and ends up winning the game. And so I just bring it up to say they're almost the opposite of Michigan State. Michigan State had a lot of breaks along the way. Penn State really had a lot of breaks go against them, and they lost their final game of the regular season 30-27 to at Michigan State. I feel like they were probably closer, in my opinion, to 9-3 and than they were 7-5. and Despite it, though, here's why I can't get behind them as a definitive, I'm planting my flag at Penn State going over eight and a half wins. First of all, you know, it's a quarterback. It's Sean Clifford. And, and I'm not trying to disparage the kid, but he's been a three-year starter. He's no better today, or at least coming into this season, than he has been. Each of the last two years, 60% completion percentage. Last year, he was solid. 21 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, but he wasn't elite by any stretch. He's never been elite. I don't think he's going to be elite. Uh, and oh, by the way, maybe their best chance is almost like Clemson, right? We talk about Clemson. Is, is Cade Klubnick going to eventually take that spot from DJ Uyla Remember, Penn State has a five-star backup in Drew Allaire. Uh, we'll see if he, gets, if he gets some run by the end of the season if things do not go well. Sean Clifford does have some talent around him, by the way. Nick Singleton, five-star running back. Mitchell Tinsley, a transfer from Western Kentucky that had 87 catches and 14 touchdowns last year. But it still comes back to, I can't hitch my wagon to Penn State to win nine games with Sean Clifford as its quarterback, not to mention the schedule. And look, like I said, last year was brutal. This year's a little bit more manageable. Last year they had at Wisconsin, at Iowa. This year, thankfully for them, they have neither of those teams. But where I get tripped up is September. They play at Purdue the first Thursday of the season. They're already a small favorite in the DraftKings Sportsbook, about a four-point favorite. But opening night, national TV audience, I could see some weird things happening. And they also play at Auburn early in the season. And what I would say is if you're going to play Auburn, you don't want it to be early. Because if Auburn starts 2-3, and three, they shouldn't with their schedule. But if Auburn loses a couple games, that's when you want to get them because that's when the locker room is down. Maybe they know Brian Harson isn't coming back. But you get them early, Auburn should be 2-0 and coming into that game. You barely beat Auburn at home last year. Now you're going to Jordan-Hare. I don't think it's a good look. So Penn State's another one. They're just the classic stay away to me. They're right on that 8-9 win border. I could see the scenario where they could go 10-2. and I could also see the scenario where they lose on opening night to Purdue, they lose in week three to Auburn on the road, and you're sitting there scratching your head having that over ticket thinking that they can't really lose very much more going forward, so that one's just a stay away to me. Very quickly, let's get to the last three teams in this division, Maryland, Indiana, and Rutgers. You know, Maryland is an interesting one. Their over-under is six. Last year, they went 6-6 six and six in the regular season. They did win a bowl game against Virginia Tech, but that doesn't really count. Virginia Tech fired their head coach, uh, had a bunch of guys opt out. But they finished 6-6. Six and six. They returned Talia Tonga-Viola to, to his brother at quarterback, Rakeem Jarrett at wide receiver. But to me, I look at them on paper, and I've studied all these teams. I think it goes without saying. You probably guessed that I've done some homework before I come on the mic here. They don't really look all that different to me than last year. 
really elite offense last year, top 15 nationally, number three pass offense in the Big Ten, top 15 uh, uh, pass offense, I should say top 15 pass offense nationally, not quite a top 15 total offense, but top 15 pass offense, but the defense was also really, really, really bad. And they gave up 31 points per game last year. Here's the bad part if you're Mike Loxley. You signed an elite class in 2021, and most of those elite players transferred. Three of their top four players were defensive players, high four stars, one five star. Those guys all transferred out. And so I look at Maryland. I think we get enthralled by the quarterback, Taulia Tonga Viola. But this is a team, I just don't see them getting stops, and this is a team also I just still think while there's some fun sexiness, Mike Loxley, he's from D.C., the gap between them and the good teams in the Big Ten, it's huge. Here are some results from Maryland's schedule last year. They lost to Ohio State 66-17, not pretty. They lost to Michigan 59-18, not pretty. By the way, Ohio State, that's a 49-point loss. Michigan, a 41-point loss. Iowa, a 37-point loss, 51-14. Penn State, you lose by 17. Michigan State, you lose by 16. So the five best teams you played, it wasn't within two scores for any of them. And that's why I can't get excited about this over-under. It's why it's a total stay away to me of six wins. Because they do have, on top of those four teams from the East, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, they also have a game at Wisconsin. And so if we assume that playing at Michigan, at Penn State, at Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan State, at home, if we assume they lose all five of those games and history tells us they're going to, then you're basically saying they have to go 7-0 in their other seven games to hit that over on the win total. Now, they could. Schedule from there is manageable, but Purdue's pretty good out of the West. They have Purdue. Rutgers we're going to get to in a minute is interesting. SMU they play in the out of conference interesting I just can't I, I can't bet them to go 7-0 and against everybody other than Michigan State Penn State Ohio State Michigan and Wisconsin now maybe they steal one of those games and it makes it a little bit easier I'm not betting on them beating Wisconsin though I'm not betting on them beating Michigan State total stay away I will say if you like betting overs that may be the team to just follow and track over the course of the season I think there's going to be a lot of overs in play when they play games. Really quickly, the last two teams. You know, Indiana's a really interesting one. Felt like everything that could go right did during that COVID season two years ago. They go 6-1. and one. Tom Allen's doing all sorts of crazy locker room dances. They beat Penn State on the goal, you know, final play of the game. They beat Michigan. They beat uh, Wisconsin late in the season. Everything went right that could. And then last year, everything that could go wrong did for the, the Hoosiers. So they go from 6-1 and one during the COVID season, 6-2 and two with a bowl game, to 2-10 and 10 last year. And as I said, just about everything that could go wrong did. They had to open at Iowa. They played Cincinnati at home. And then the rest of the season was disaster. They finished with two wins total over the course of the season. Those two wins against Idaho and Western Kentucky by two points. And so I think there's going to be a little bit of a regression to the mean. Now I should say Indiana's over-under win total is four. So it is manageable, but are you really betting on them? Where, where are the definitive wins? Especially, remember, they have a cross-division game against Purdue every year. Purdue's pretty good. They play at Nebraska. They have Cincinnati in the out-of-conference. I just can't get excited about, four, about five wins for Indiana. I, just, I can't do it. 
I think they kind of struck lightning in a bottle in that COVID year. Michigan was as bad as they're ever going to be. Penn State is as bad as they're ever going to be. Michigan State was actually bad that year, even though they beat Michigan. I, I don't see that happening anytime soon where you get a situation like that and then having Nebraska this year who is going to be much improved, whether that matters in the win total or not remains to be seen. Purdue is obviously always a tough game. They lost to Purdue 44-7 to last year. Total stay away to me at four wins. I would probably lean over, but I don't love it. Finally, the final, the final team in the Big Ten East is Rutgers. And it's really interesting. As I record here on the 27th, you'll listen on the 28th, DraftKings has pulled the over-under win total on Rutgers. Now, Rutgers is kind of interesting because I actually do like some things about them. Their defense was actually pretty good last year. It wasn't great. You know, it doesn't jump off the page statistically, but they held Michigan, who obviously went on to win the Big Ten, to 20 points. They held, uh, they, they beat Wisconsin 20 to 14. And what I like about them, too, on top of that, they showed a little bit. I know it's a cliche word in football terms. They showed a little grit late in the season. Do you remember what happened in bowl season? Texas A&M couldn't play in their bowl game because of COVID. Rutgers on basically like a week's notice was like, we'll play. And they brought their team back to campus. They practiced for a few days. They went to the bowl game. They did lose to Wake Forest. But I love that from Greg Schiano. We can make fun of Greg Schiano. I get it. I've told the story before. I talked to a player that used to play for him. He said Greg Schiano rubs you the wrong way. And he rubs you until it becomes a rash. I don't even totally know what that means, but I didn't feel like a compliment. The only point I'm trying to make is this. Is that I, I, I actually do kind of like the trend of this program. Now, the problem is the offense which was awful last year, okay? You want a crazy stat on the Rutgers offense? How about this? In nine of their 12 games that they played last season, they scored 20 or fewer points. That's awful. 120th nationally in scoring at 19.7 points per game. Beat Syracuse 17-7. to Lose to Michigan 20-13. to 13 points against Ohio State. 13 points against Michigan State. 7 points against Northwestern. 20 points against Illinois. 3 points against Wisconsin. 0 points against Penn State. 16 points against Maryland. By my count, that is 19 games. 9 games out of 12, excuse me, where they scored 20 points or fewer. That is just a, a, a staggering number. And you want another staggering number. They had nine different players throw a pass for them. Now, that's a little misleading that a few running backs, wide receivers uh, throw at least one pass, but they haven't figured out the quarterback situation. And so until they figure out the quarterback situation, I can't get behind them. Um, you know, manageable out-of-conference schedule. They do open at Boston College, and they do have Iowa and Nebraska in cross-division games as well as a trip to Minnesota. I find it hard to find. I, I, I know they went 5-7 and seven last year in the regular season. I find it hard to find five wins on this schedule. I find it hard to find four wins on the schedule unless they get significantly improved quarterback play. All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. First of all, my favorite bet, Michigan over 9.5. I do like Ohio State over 10.5 as well. Don't love it. Michigan State over under 7.5. I'd lean over over 7.5, but, but is a stay away to me. Penn State lean over 8.5, but can't bet it with Sean Clifford. Maryland, a total stay away at 6. Indiana, a total stay away at 4. Rutgers is not on the board as I speak. 
If you're not subscribed to College Football Betting, please make sure to go ahead and do that. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Uh, And we're going to keep rolling. Big Ten West next week. We'll get into the Big 12, and we're just going to keep on going straight through the start of college football season. If you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. By the way, if you have friends that like college football, I'd like to throw a couple bucks down, go ahead, share this show with them. I think at the very least I'm giving you the most informative college football betting content that you can possibly find anywhere, so I appreciate your support. This is College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Also, if you missed any of the previous shows, we did the SEC East, the SEC West over-under win totals. We will be back next week with the SC, or the Big Ten West. How about Nebraska? How about Wisconsin? How about Purdue? I will be back next week.